What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. My voice sounds a little weird today because I'm I'm working with some dry bus air. I'm on tour right now on the West Coast, and the bus that I have that I travel in, the air is just really dry at night, and this morning, my voice sounds like this. Whatever. But, like I said, I'm on tour in Portland tonight. It's going to be slamming. The band is sounding as good as ever. So if you live on the West Coast of the U.S., or actually anywhere in the U.S., I'm touring over the next few months. Come check out the band, because it is killing! Speaking of being on the road, a few months ago, I met Captain Kirk Douglas when we were both playing at Hollywood Bowl. And we got to know each other a little bit there, just kind of in passing. And finally we were like, ah, we gotta find a time to do the full hang and whatever. And then we were like, you know what? You should come on the podcast and I have tons of things that I want to ask you. So if you're unfamiliar with Kirk, he is the guitar player of The Roots. You see him on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Incredible guitar player, writer, producer. Please welcome Captain Kirk Douglas. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing. It works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums, and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you want to use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out, DistroKid. All right, let's hit this episode. Hey, Corey, where are you? Uh, where am I talking to you from? I'm in Minneapolis. This is where I'm okay, from. Okay, so much is uh, explained with your location. I think I think we're gonna have to go there today. I think we're gonna have to go there in multiple ways. I think you know where some of my questioning will go regarding Minneapolis. Yeah, a light bulb went off for me because, well, your possession of the funk. <laughs> uh, and also your close proximity to Sonny T. Yes. I've seen you with him on multiple uh, occasions, and um, now it all makes sense. How do you know Sonny? Oh, only from afar. Okay. I, I, I know him from his work with the Jonas Brothers. Oh, really? Nice. Um, but because when the Jonas Brothers were on The Tonight Show, there was Sonny T., who I have to admit I was not aware of. Sure. And But everybody within arm's length of me was like, that's Sonny T. And <laughs> best, best recognized. Yeah. You know, and, then, and then they played, and then it was all apparent. 
So Sonny, I grew up in Minneapolis and I saw Sonny just like playing around town in funk bands. And I was just like, this guy is insane. And he was just the cat, like him and Michael Bland, a lot of these Prince alum, all the original NPG guys, it was just kind of like they were the guys in town and that was the barometer for funk. Wow, quite high. Yeah, so I just, that was the expectation from the time I was first cutting my teeth. This, this is how you feel funk. This is how you play. This is how the time should be. Uh, and that's kind of how I got into that. And Sonny really kind of mentored me. Michael Bland mentored me. And then I find out from everybody else, they're like, yeah, these are like the cats, man. Like, watch these old Prince videos. I'm like, they're nowhere on the internet because Prince keeps taking them down. So then finally I got all these like bootleg things that my friends would give me the old, old VHS or like burn DVDs. Like, yeah. yo, check this out. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, this, that's, that's it. These are the cats. Yeah, it's just so crazy how you, you were just fully immersed in such a, with such a high standard. Yeah. It's really incredible. So did you grow up in Philly? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from New York. I'm from, uh, I was born in Brooklyn. Okay. And, and then shortly after that, when I was like five, I moved out to Long Island. Okay. And then uh, when I was about 24, I made my way back to, well, about 23, I made my way back to Manhattan. And then when I got back to Manhattan, that's when I started cutting my teeth in various uh, bands yeah. and situations and poets and singers and drag queens and all, wherever would have, wherever would need a guitar player. That's basically where I showed up. Yeah. Cause I'm curious where I'm from, there is kind of a specific time feel that's associated with Minneapolis and the Minneapolis funk thing. And then there's like the East coast funk and modern day, even R&B feel on the guitar with drums and bass. I'm curious how you think about your time feel, if you feel like it relates to where you grew up, if it feels like it relates just to who you play with, but just in general, like how do you approach your time feel on the guitar, in the bands that you play with and in sessions that you play on? Well, it was, it's honestly something I did not was not entirely on my radar really until I joined the roots <laughs> to be honest. Sure. Uh, and that was, you know, I joined the band when I was like 30. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you, you're plugging along with all these people and you're happy to be there. They're happy that you're there. You making music. And, you know, I, I didn't do an excessive amount of recording, but you know, I was, did some session work, but it's when I joined the roots is that I noticed that like, oh, I'm a lot more on top of the beat than everybody surrounding me. Mm. And uh, that's, you know, we, we, we started recording and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, they, they say the best education is like listening to yourself, you yeah. know? And um, so when I would hear playbacks, that's when it was, you know, very apparent to me. I mean, and, and th this is sort of before Pro Tools became such a norm. You know, it, it just it just it just occurred to me. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be fitting in with everybody else, I need to like kind of lay back. 
Yeah. And and once I did that, once I and there's like certain things that I would do to sort of help it along. I actually, to be honest, I guess I kind of did hear it mentioned um, prior to joining the roots, the approach to to where the beat falls and where, you know, my playing would fall. And then so, so then it just became just a, a, a thing where I would just sort of like dance, like internally in my seat, like a way I would find I could move that would sort of like bring me there without having to be too conscious of it. And then, you know, and then it's just after repetition, you start uh, playing sort of what your ear wants to hear, what sounds right to your ear. And I noticed that like that you could really be uh, quite far behind, quite laid back and still be in the pocket. But anything but, you know, anything on top or uh, heaven forbid, you know, you don't want before that 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 was sort of the enemy. So your question was like where I feel with how I feel with that geographically. (laughs) And uh, it was just, it was just something I wasn't very conscious of. And and I can't say that I, I, you know, there's just when things sound right and just things sound wrong ultimately. And I, I found the more conscious of, of where quest loves drums were. I mean, the playing with them, you know, my audition consisted of just me playing in a room with him. Mm. And that's really when he, when I first became aware of, of Dilla, sure. you know, he, he, and he mentioned playing with D'Angelo and he mentioned the, the concept of, um, a controlled, like drunk with precision. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, and, and sort of like an intentional, uh, laid backness and, and, you know, upon hearing about it first, it's just like, it was, it was a really foreign concept. And then, you know, when you're able to find that balance between being in the band and also being uh, an objective listener, you try to find that balance of like, oh, when when there's an exaggerated, uh, an exaggerated hit or an exaggerated lag, it's, you know, it's sort of a way of like, sort of, you know, you can really control how the listener is dancing, you know, because that's when everybody joins in the experience, when there's a lag and there's like a, a, a deep pocket that sort of, you know, can become malleable. And that's, that's when you discover like, you know, the fun of it. And then you're like playing with the audience's ear hole, you know? And, uh, and so all of that stuff, you know, to go back before is like, it really became fully on my radar, radar upon meeting the roots. And then it's just been a journey into further seasoning that and further getting that. And the more, of getting that it becomes more fun and our, our newest bass player not new like you know uh mark kelly he's you know also a producer in his own right and he also is a, a dilla fan and he also is super familiar with that concept so everybody is like on the same page yeah and um it's great to have uh, a platform like the tonight show where you know, coming up with things that take you in and out of a commercial break, you can further play with that concept more. And you're, you know, you're in a situation where you're basically playing five days a week, even if you're not playing um, the, the, the thing. What's most important is you're playing and yeah. you get to exercise that muscle and you get to further 
uh, solidify that that glue that keeps us on that same page and it makes it so it's 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 uh second nature you don't even have to think about it anymore but um so going back again to your original question is it geographical i don't know um <laughs> but i i it, but definitely hanging out with those cats and being in that band being in the roots has definitely made it more second nature sure uh, to me and i imagine playing that much together i mean come on you're yeah. eventually just your your minds will start to meld you're gonna finish each other's musical sentences and know where you're gonna weave in and out totally that's and that's the fun of it that's the fun of that type of long-term musical marriage yeah do you approach your time feel and the way that you come up with parts the way that you approach musicality in general with your new project with 100 watt heart like do you do you approach that differently than the way that you do on the tonight show or with the roots yes i do approach it differently but there are some things that you can't unlearn sure like, because of the, the whole this new this record this new 100 part this new 100 watt heart record um was created during the pandemic and it was created during a time when in order for the tonight show to continue we had to really adapt to home recording mm -hmm. and we had to do a lot of uh creation of new sandwiches sandwiches are the musical bits that happen happen in between yeah during commercial breaks and uh so we were coming up with sandwiches we needed just we just wanted to like okay, we're home now, let's just output, output, you know? And uh, so a drum part would be sent to us from either Questlove or Stro Elliott, who's our beat uh, machine guy. Um, and so a beat would be passed around and, um, and then you got to record on it at home. And then, so I would, I was in the process of, of doing a lot of home recording and again, playing, listening back. Oh, I could have, been a little bit more pocketed for that and so having to go through that process with the band at home led to me having a more uh seasoned ear for my own stuff at home so so what i found myself doing was recording with the drummer i play with rick sheridan and we would record and we were just basically the process would be setting up mics on the drums I would play uh, into my amp simulator that I could hear and he could hear, um, but no mics could hear. And so we would just record and certain parts of songs uh, would be repeated ad infinitum and then just record so much and then go back and then go through the editing process and then not unlike you know trying to find the perfect sample in you know a, yeah. a record that's already recorded you find the the magic in the drums and then you sure uh make comps of that and eventually turn it into the structure of a of a song make the bones of a of a, a song with the drums and then record bass record drums then hit up your friends yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know you, you're familiar with that process. Absolutely. So, um, so and and in doing so, you know, I I got to quality wise what I wanted to hear from uh, myself. 
I had a really high standard based on my experience of, of playing with the roots and based on the experience of recording at home and trying to get as much feel as you can, trying to get something that feels as good as possible given the fact that you're playing into a, a laptop. Yeah. And when you're able to a- a- achieve that, that's encouraging, that makes it fun, and that just uh, leads you further down that rabbit hole. Yeah. There's there's one burning desire that many guitar players that are listening right now would want to ask about, and that is, you mentioned amp sims. And I think it's really fun that amp simulators have come such a long way, and there are so many incredible amp simulators out there. And oh, like yeah. you're saying, you can really get the feel now. Like if a lot of people, it's way different to like listen to an amp sim on your headphones and then take your headphones off and crank a twin reverb in the room. It's like, of course it's going to feel different. But if you were to put the twin in the other room, mic it and listen on headphones versus just listening to your amp sim on headphones, a fair comparison, man, do they sound good nowadays. I'm wondering, are you equally inspired? What ones are you using? Are you using them on the Tonight Show as well? No, no. C- come at me with your amp sims. Well, the as far as just tracking and getting feels down, you know, I'll, I'll use Amplitude. Yeah. And I find that uh, they really upped their game with Amplitude 5. Yep. I think um, even the pedals in there, I think, are, are inspiring. And then the ability to you know, get, you know, vintage pedals involved, the, the ability to sort of work with the signal chains and um there's you know on the new record there's there's a solo on there that's completely nothing but amp simulator and i think that's uh the solo at the end of illuminate that's all mm. that's all uh um amp sims pedal everything yeah but i also what i got into during lockdown was the ox oh, okay yeah the universal audio thing yeah and I don't, I don't do any of that stuff on the Tonight Show. I mean, I play. I mean, I, I could, and but just, just to upset the apple cart and just go in there. It's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have, I have a good thing going. It's organic. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, a boogie California tweed. I love those amps. Four six v six amps. Uh, Jimmy doesn't like a lot of stage volume, so I'm turned, you know, really far down and let the uh let the engineers handle handle it just because you know if you're he it's if i'm loud he could be walking and it could be a cannon like right into his ear so i i'd rather uh prevent that conversation before it happens but but back to the ox i got one of those and i was just for for both uh attenuation you know cranking your amp and and getting as much out of it without hurting your ear. Um, I've used it for those applications and also for the, uh, the um, cabinet simulators, you know, where you, where you have, have your head or line out of your combo and go into the aux and then go from the aux into your, into your DAW, into your computer. And uh, I've just, just go down the presets of d- different scenarios of the different cabinets and the different mic placements. That's super fun. And it's, um, you know, some say that it saves time from trying, you know, trying to like do it yourself, trying to mic and amp yourself. The beauty is what what I've discovered making 
this newest record is you get as much magic as you can get before it hits a mic, but after it hits a mic, there's a whole wonderland at your disposal yeah. to, to, to tweak and, and everything's, and then it's, you know, it's like cooking. Everything plays off of, you know, another thing, the way that things sound in a mix, you know, where a guitar sounds by itself and the way it sounds in a mix. That's a whole world of possibilities. So I, I, I didn't get that deep in it, but there's a nice mixture of, of you know, taking a, an M160, a bare dynamic, and miking an amp with that. There's a, yeah. nice, a mixture of doing a few solos with the aux. You know, a couple solos were done uh, with the aux, and that was so much fun. And, um, and I don't even remember, like, the I probably should have taken notes as far as, like, what amp camp what amp sure. uh, cabinet simulators I use, but what I what the uh, the combination that did work for me was going into a divided by thirteen RSA twenty three head, and then going into the aux, and then just going down the list of cabinet scenarios and and, and microphone scenarios until yeah. I found something inspiring. So th- there was that amp that I used. There, you know, there's a couple instances where I. I used just at the beginning of lockdown when you couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really go anywhere. I used a, a, a boogie stiletto and, and turned that up, you know, a pretty low volume as so it was not to disturb neighbors. Yeah. And, um, and that wound up being, a taking up a lot of, uh, real estate sonically. There's a, a guitar I used, um, uh, Carmine Street. Are you familiar with Carmine Street guitars? No. What's their deal? Uh, well, there's a documentary that can explain their deal way more in depth than I can get into here. Oh, wait. Is that the one? It's like a store. It's not a... Are you talking about a brand or are you talking about a store? I'm talking about a store that's a brand. So maybe you have seen it. You, I, th- it, I feel like I saw a, this a documentary on a plane. Yes. Yeah, okay, a lot of people that's see the it one. on planes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. That's where I've yeah. seen it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went to the guy's shop and his deal in a nutshell is he repossesses the wood that makes up a lot of uh, buildings in New York City. Okay. Buildings that are going to be torn down. If he knows about it, he'll try to get in there and say, hey, what are you going to do with all that wood? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's sort of, and, and the advantage to doing so is you've got old, super old woods. You're basically getting an, a super old guitar that's brand new. That's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the difference, like, and as far as like, does it really make a difference? Um, yes. Uh, the a guitar that I used a lot on the record was this. Uh, it's kind of like an Esquire, like a just a single pickup Telecaster situation. And at the time, the guy that made the pickups like wasn't very well known. I think since since that documentary has come out, you know, things have gotten a lot busier for Carmine Street guitars. And what I love about them is I've, you know, from back in the time before I was in the Roots, I was a preschool teacher. I used to like, you know, go to the playground with my kids at the the playground right next to the shop. Sometimes bring them into the shop to like, you know, take them to one of my favorite places that I would like to go to and you know, maybe one day I could even afford a guitar there, but probably not. 
so the, the cool thing was going back there, getting a guitar that uh, I was really psyched about. And in lockdown, the guitars that I was going to was the, there was a Gibson ES345, a red one, like kind of a Chuck mm-hmm. Berry situation. That guitar and the, um, and the Carmine Street guitar. It had that Carmen Street guitar, like, had such a creamy, warm sort of mojo that that was just sure. made it a, a go to guitar. So, like I said, like all different scenarios amp simulators, yeah. the aux, miking the amp with SM57 and with the uh, uh, biodynamic M160, to, you know, a couple of those. And uh, the, I got into the, the Eventide uh, H9, yeah, um, that that great pedal has some, some, yeah, yeah. If you take the time, you'll be rewarded. You know, yeah, put the time in with that thing. I love that your approach is that you're not precious about one or the other. You're just like going through, finding what sounds good, what inspires you. Let's go. Yeah, I love yeah. that approach. That's how I've always been. Like, I didn't grow up really like, oh, it has to be tube amps. And actually a lot of my favorite amps are solid state amps. So I'm inherently less precious about certain, I mean, there's amazing sounding tube amps out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Dumbo guy as much as the next, but (laughs) I'm not precious about anything. If something is inspiring, I don't need to compare it to 10 different things. I'm inspired by this sound right now. It sounds dope. Let's hit it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my, my thing right now is like, I'm in the phase of just like everything is, I haven't honestly haven't played electric in a long time. Well, I obviously I play it on the show, but as far as like writing and things like that, I, I take a long time just doing nothing but acoustic and just trying to get as inspired as possible. Yeah. Just with acoustic guitar. It's just me and the notes that I can play to the best of my ability on the instrument that I know. Um, and, uh, try to inspire myself as much as possible given those, uh, parameters. Yeah. And, you know, sort of now it's getting colder. I don't know if it's already cold where you are, but pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just now <laughs> it's like, now we, we, it's, it's about more towards the within and, uh, now I'm ready to do some dialing, do, do some tweaking and, uh, see how the uh, acoustic ideas pan out in the electric scenarios. Love that. Okay, so you're talking about playing acoustic. A lot of people know you with the roots, playing with other people, doing the rock thing. You've got so many, you've got so much range as a player. But one thing that you have that so many, there's a lot of players with range, right? But one thing that you really have and that you have a, to me, I, I've. It seems like you have a really strong pulse on the role of guitar in hip hop music, which I, you know, have have watched from the sidelines, dabbled from the sidelines, but has not really been my scene. I have. I mean, that's just not my scene. I'm curious how you feel about the role of the guitar in hip hop music, how it has evolved from the days of early Jurassic Five, early Roots, early 2000s Roots, and all these bands kind of, I mean, to me, my my earliest guitar experiences with hip hop was playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. There was a bunch of great hip hop songs that had guitar in it. And then I like, mm-hmm. you know, went down the rabbit hole and a bunch of different things. I'm curious how you feel about 
the way the guitar has evolved in that genre, whether it be the role or also just the way that it's being played? Well, I'm, I'm not that far beyond the Tony Hawk approach, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's, like it's all about uh, trying to replicate and try to check the uh, sort of emotional boxes that make something sound as authentic as possible. So much hip hop is based on sampled materials. So you, you try to like, there's, there's a respect given towards things that are slightly out of tune. There's mm. a, a respect given to things that are quirky or not, that, not the most hi-fi things. And, and there's respect given to the things that are not what you would consider to be hip hop. Like, you sure. know, you know, fuzz, you know, like fuzz gets a lot of uh, play. You know, a lot of hip hop is sampled from rock. A lot of it's sampled from psychedelic, you know, 60s rock where the fuzz is present. So using things like uh, Octavia and certain things just to just to achieve the sampled sound, that's that's ever present. That will that will never change, you know, and. And also, you know, there's the hip hop where there's no guitar at all. And there's the, you know, the those are the times where I'll lay out. And if, if you know, there's if, to try to put guitar in something that didn't originally have guitar in it just because I'm there doesn't serve the whole, you know, so there's that respect. And then and then there's there's the places you can you can take it, you know, as far as. uh like, you know, when you think of like, you know, jazz, you know, like I am not like a jazz player, but like as far as like playing whatever given part there is like, uh, uh, is it Q-Tips Let's Ride? You know, that was taken from uh, Giant Steps. Somebody played Giant Steps on solo acoustic guitar, a solo jazz guitar. Hmm. And I remember Q-Tips sat in and um, we did that song. And I remember I had to like, you know, really shed that part. You know? Yeah. And so that that was about, you know, finding the right guitar and making sure that I had that part down. <laughs> Thankfully, there hasn't been a situation where, you know, I'd have to like learn like the whole uh, solo piece of uh, Giant Steps. But I mean, that would definitely be helpful. And if I had a different type of schedule, that probably would be an endeavor that I'd <laughs> want to check out. But as far as evolution of hip hop guitar, you know, I mean... You know, I just saw the band Krungbin in concert in Prospect Park and um, Mark Spear, fantastic guitar player. And he was able to what was cool about that band is they're, it's a it's a simple concept, but it's a sophisticated concept. You know, it's just like the drummer is basically just playing just straight ahead, like straight up hip hop beats. That 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 are that that sound really good. His the way he his timing, his feel, the way his drums are tuned, is just perfect. And Laura Lee, like her her bass playing is just so, it's just so booming. And it's, yeah, she's like playing dub bass lines over everything. Precisely, yeah. yeah. And and that leaves so much space for their player to like. And then when they go into their version of you know their sort of hip hop one hundred and one, going through all the samples. Yeah, you know they. The, the way like they did they did a uh, genius of love and he was able to replicate like the, the 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 vocals in that song you know they do their electric relaxation but the way he also will go you know play they do 
uh, old dirties, baby, I got your money. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, he's able to play the melody in that. And that's, you know, it's sort of like, wow, it's, you don't necessarily have to just play the guitar parts. Like as long as the rest of the band is taking care of, 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 of the rhythm, as long as you're playing something that the audience's ear can attach to, you're good. You know, they did, and they did, they did, uh, get the fuck up. And uh, they played the whole sample of um, of Godzilla, like that 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 song is sampled from, and it was like, and and it's it's normally I think that parts with like uh, an orchestra or with strings, but when they did it as a three piece, they just sounded like Japanese Sabbath or something, and it was, <laughs> it, it, was it was it was amazing, you know. So yeah, when you talk about the evolution of hip hop. It's that sort of possibility that's sort of like laying in plain sight. That's like, oh, sure. that's what hip hop guitar can be too. Mm. So yeah. that was super inspiring. So that it, it made me think of, you know, what is the evolution of hip hop guitar? That you have that right there. Yeah. A few months ago, I opened. I played right before you guys at Hollywood Bowl, and it was my first time seeing you guys in concert. What Ooh. a fun show and it's nonstop and it's just like it's it's just barreling the whole time it's almost like a d it's like a live dj set in some way where it's just like the songs transition from one to the next and it's just it kind of never stops and it's there's so much energy on stage you guys are running around there's spots where you got steps together there's spots where you got you're just out there hyping and you're running around wireless playing it's so much fun talk to me about how you approach your live show and how you guys approach putting together the live show and, and where you see yourself in that and kind of how your role really stands out in that. Well, um, like I mentioned before, I think I'm, I, I taught preschool for like six years and I was doing that during the day and I was playing different bands at night. And um, I love the idea of, of just like imagining you with your guitar just ripping on the playground for all the preschool kids. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> as if that's the, what you do all the time. <laughs> yeah, ripping the classics, you know, definitely ripping, uh, you know, Wheels on the Bus, and uh, you know, also we did, you know, wrote whatever relevant songs uh, were necessary, you know, at the time in the classroom, you know, songs about not being hit, not being pushed. Yeah, songs about you know. Um, all that stuff, but at night playing in various bands and, you know, playing in places like, you know, CBGBs and wetlands and always having the aspiration to play for larger audience, larger, larger audiences. And the, the standard is, you know, the, 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 sta the standard is James Brown, the standards, the Jacksons, the standards, yeah. Michael Jackson, the standards, Van Halen. The standards, uh, P Funk, those, those, those like people that are putting on a show, you know. And um, when I joined the band, I, I definitely went in with the same attitude that I uh, had when I was playing in all the other bands. It's just like it, no matter what size the venue we are at, we're playing as if it's. MSG, you know, we're playing yeah. as if it's a huge arena. We're playing as if it's the Hollywood Bowl, and um, and the fact that there's so many people involved on stage, yeah, you know, the 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 roles, you don't have as many, you know, I'm I'm 
sometimes I'm playing and singing, but when there's so many people on stage, it, it sort of frees you up to be able to move. And the, the, the type of concentration on precision is um, not as high because, uh, you know, you have this orchestra of people up there. If there's a three piece, you know, playing that type of music, maybe there'd be more basses to cover that would prevent me from uh, having uh, my focus on, on the showmanship aspect of things. You know, it's also another way to like when you're seeing all these people out there and people are like really psyched to be there and people are, you know, dancing and you 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 want to bring them further into that experience. If you want to match their energy and and if if not surpass their energy and bring them to an even a, 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 a place where they feel more compelled to let loose or let go. And, you know, the, the adrenaline that you have from seeing all these people, you're, you want to sort of, um, you're, 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 you're sort of channeling that and, um, and you're sort of trying to give it back to them. So it's like, if there's yeah. like, you know, how many people does that place hold? Like 15,000, 20, um, I think 17,000, 17, okay. Wow. Okay. Like, yeah, you're, so you're like one person and you're trying to give that back to them however possible, be it in your notes or be it in your uh, stage performance. So there's, there's that everything is sort of meets like the adrenaline of like, okay, look, I, I, I want to get everybody as uh, hyped as possible. And there's the adrenaline, the adrenaline of, okay, let me not fuck up. <laughs> the, yeah. the, there's, all of that is in there. And you just you just want to give other people the same thing that you've gotten all these years, you know. Like, yeah. You know all, you know Prince. You know there is, you know you've you've heard all the stories of the the rehearsals in front of the mirror and you know all all that stuff and just you just you just want to match that standard. Yeah. That you've gotten and it's 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 you know and as you say it's like it's almost like a DJ gig. It's like you know there's no coincidence that you know the drummer for the roots is also the dj that heidi klum will hire to dj her halloween party you know yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's sort of he's sort of got that thing dialed in so yeah the the, the band and the the turntables in his universe are sort of you know interchangeable you totally know? and you know what it looks like when when somebody's phoning it in and you just don't want to do that but it's not even like we're consciously thinking that yeah we're just happy to be there we're playing music for god's sakes we get paid <laughs> to yeah. make noises you know i'm holding a guitar in my hand it's plugged into an amp if it sounds good if the mix is good i'm so happy yeah totally <laughs> when, when you know especially if you show up and you don't do a sound check and you plug in and everything sounds good and there's an audience there and people are, and, oh, and was, we also just got past being locked down for like two years. Happy. So happy. It's <laughs> Absolutely, like, man. It's, there's no getting away from it. So yeah. there's totally. that. <laughs> I feel that. And, and to be able to do it with friends too and people that you have long-time relationships with, that's incredible. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned once, if, if, your, if your schedule was a little bit different, you might dive into the jazz world. I want to talk a little bit about schedule. I know I, I've had a lot of people, I talked to some people, oh, I'm interviewing Kirk. What are you interested in? And some people ask me, 
what is their daily schedule like? And I know loosely what some of these shows' schedules are. I played for a long time in the, how do I put it? The network-driven pseudo-nemesis of yours on The Late Show. (laughs) I was, I'm really good friends with John Batiste and he and I have done a record together and played a bunch together. And I was playing in the house band a bunch with him right before this whole thing happened uh, and everybody went remote. But I know what the schedule can be like. And I'm just curious also how yours differs from the way The Late Show was. But on The Tonight Show, a lot of people are curious, what's the schedule like? You guys are doing a lot of, like you're saying, sandwich music, bumper music, bringing guests in and out. And then there's feature things. What's the process for that those songs? And what's the schedule like for you guys? Well, we have periods where we'll start making sandwiches. You know, periods where we're like, okay, we'll let's just churn a few out. You know, because of COVID and we've been all like, we're just sort of getting back to yeah. our rehearsal room. And, and so it's been a while since we've been in the sandwich creation mode. Sure. But, you know, there was a period where it was just showing up on Monday, going through all the walk-on music that we would do for the whole week. You know, the music being that each featured guest would walk out to, going over what what that music would be. And then after we're doing that, then we'll just sort of try to pick up on a vibe and try to just create create stuff, you know. But after doing this for so many years, as you can imagine, there's a lot of sandwiches in the deli. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so many sandwiches to choose from. But um, but I think we're also, you know, feeling like we're going to start to create new ones. But generally speaking, we'll get there for 2 p.m. And uh, that has us around on hand for whatever random things may come up. You know, we, we, we come in, we also do testing to uh, maintain... Uh, a level of you know everybody knowing where everybody's at with with COVID and so forth, and then we will go out at about four forty five to do a warm up for the audience, and uh, you know we'll do a song for the audience. Or there's a guy that comes out, warms up the crowd, Seth Herzog. He like speaks to the audience and kind of gets them comfortable. And the show begins at five, and we're usually out of there by six fifteen. So. So to answer the question about like preparation and schedules, it's like, I, you know, I am, I'm no spring chicken. I have, you know, kids, I have, you know, two, two teenagers, um, I'm married and, uh, you know, my time prior to the show is, uh, generally geared towards, you know, health and wellness and doing a good performance. And so I'll, you know, wake up and, I think, you know, try to get my daughter out of bed so she can get ready for school. And then I'll do my, I'll exercise because, you know, I am, I am becoming a vintage instrument and our bodies are our instruments. uh, So I try to take care of myself on that, to that end and, you know, run, go to the gym. I live right next to Prospect Park in Brooklyn. So that's, that gives me little excuses as far as exercising. Um, But yeah, doctor friend told me that you know aging is a sport and like any sport you have to train for it so i took that as as good advice and and now that we're in the fall and that like being inspired by them being back at school now i have to go into that sort of hibernation mode of 
taking that hour to do the vocal exercises, to do the practicing, to and by practice try to you know, and it's there's there's practicing and there's writing and uh, yeah, you know, writing usually is what you know has taken more precedence as of late. You know, I also know that like you know, I need to get back into the mode of trying to play the things which I don't know. You know, mm. there's that saying like if if you're practicing and it sounds really good, then you're not practicing. <laughs> you're just playing what you already know. Yeah. And that's that's really challenging for me to, you know, because I don't like to hear myself sound bad. But in order to get better, I may need to help hear myself sounding bad at the things I can't quite do. So that's that's more of a mental you know that 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 that's that's requires more discipline on my part and uh you know that's something i'm i'm working my way into right now yeah i love because that it's a, it's a lot man it's like you know you've got the writing aspect you got the practice aspect you have the oh oh there's there's gear too you know it's like, <laughs> and that's part of the reason i've yeah. taken myself you know off of the electric for for a bit just just because that's that's a rabbit hole that has you and there's nothing wrong with it to you know so much beautiful so many beautiful things happen from dealing with the guitar as nothing but a, a source of sound mm. you know and uh but as far as but but generally I'd, I'd like to think that with the the only thing what what i do have to mess with i do have to mess with your pedal yeah with the, uh with the optimator is that no the optim the optimist the optimist okay i have to mess with that because you know i it looks like it has some really good game staging yeah possibilities so i do that's that's one area that and i could see that potentially being that you said like one side's sort of a uh at least if i remember correctly one side's sort of a, a tube screamer but like a more but a more conscious tube screamer like you sort of thought about what you liked and what you didn't like and sort of did your thing with it and yeah. the other side was it sort of clonistic yes so the left one the overdrive one is more like a clon okay and that one also i kind of just tweaked where the tone knob but really just where noon is but okay. it, and then i dialed in the eq so if you hit both pedals or both buttons at the same time, it turns on yeah. an EQ. And to oh. me, I do I do a mid bump where basically okay. it, it kind of feels like a volume boost, but it's really that's the tube screamer esque part of it, where it it feels like the EQ change when you turn on an, a tube screamer, except without all the drive. So it's really okay. just kind of that mid bump. That's how I use the EQ. Other okay. people use okay. it other ways. And then well, overdrive two on it is kind of like a Timmy-esque thing. Uh, maybe oh, okay. actually a little more, I don't know, to me it actually sounds a little more like the Barber Burn unit, if you know what that pedal is. I do know what that is. I, yeah. I first encountered the Burn unit from, I believe it was Christopher Cross. Okay, cool. I think Christopher Cross was on the show, who definitely, apt name for a pedal with dealing with that man. He's such <laughs> an incredible guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's where I first became aware of that. And I think I I think I have an email saved from him where I asked him what what it was that he was playing, and I think that's what what he mentioned. So yeah, all this to say, um, 
you know, we went to the detour of, of promoting your pedal. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I do want to, I think it would be a great application, like on the Tonight Show. I think that's like, you know, where you sort of, you know, that's a place where I've used the same uh, pedals for a long time. And, you know, I have a, a sort of a, a modded soul food pedal. Oh, sure. Which is, um, which is modded by JHS. Yep. Pedals. So that's sort of like a, a clan situation. And maybe the optimist could sort of replace that and give me more bang for my buck. So that's now we're talking. Too. Now that's we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> or just add it on, man. Come on. I mean, why, why not expand the pedal board? I, I, I try not to. It's like if <laughs> we, we don't have a lot of space up there. If, yeah. you, if you think back to your days on playing on, on, a, on a TV show, they yes. don't, they're not trying to give all the space to the oh, band. Oh, I know. I know. leave a little bit left for the host. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fun question that I've been, I've been asking my guitar player friends. If you could only have four guitar pedals, you only get four pedals to use for the gig. Like uh, for the next year, you just have four pedals to use for a pedal board. What are you using? Do people answer this quickly? Take as much time as you need, (laughs) as long as it's uh, not too much time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can have a, you can have a breath to think about it. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Four pedals. All right, you know what? It's easy to answer this question in 2022 more than ever before. I like where this is going. I'm going to say the I'm going to start from the modulation side moving over. The, the what's the analog, the green the, the 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 copy, the carbon copy. Carbon copy, yep. Carbon copy deluxe. Got it. Moving over the Keeley modulation workstation, you know, the purple one. Yeah. Yeah. The purple one. Yeah. Yeah. The mod station moving over from that. I mean, based on what you're telling me, man, the optimist sounds there like we the go. Move. There we so, go. So, so, That's so, it. So, so an octopus and an optimus. And I think octopus. Octopus. Really? Yeah, yeah. Have you? I mean, have you played through, uh, like just turning on a, a fuzz pedal, and then turning down your your volume, and just so the clean sound you get, the clean sound you get when a fuzz pedal is engaged is a really unique clean sound that huh. I would recommend you mess with. All right, um, I'm gonna check it out. Those guys on uh, that pedal show, Dan and. Uh, Dave, is that their names? You know, the guys, the British guys that uh, have the horns. That pedal show. Is it no. Tim? Yeah, I think so. Jason knows what it is. Jason. Mick. It's Mick. Yeah. They have Dan and Mick. From Keely. Dan and Mick. Dan Thank and you. Mick. That's who it is. Yeah, yeah. They they turned, they hit me to uh, the, the fuzz with the volume turned down. And nice. That can be a really glorious thing. So I'd have to say that, man. This is based on talking to the creator of the Optimus and the promises that he he's look. He's I'll, I the deliver pedal. the pedal delivers. Right. Okay, <laughs> you wh- whether you're stuck with my pedal for 365 days, I can promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. I mean, you pose this question. Anybody that makes a pedal and poses that question 
you got to feel really good about your pedal. Like you want, like you're creating your pedal with this question somewhere in your mind. Well, look, I don't need, you know, I don't need you to pander at me just because the pedal exists, but, <laughs> but, but I'll take it. Hey, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I'll let you talk about, I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll tee up a, a lee easy slow pitch. How about a guitar? What you got a signature SG. I do have. A, Is that the yeah. one you're using all year long? You get one guitar? No, no, that's not what I'm using all year long. I mean, on on the Tonight Show, I pretty much am using almost exclusively for the moment, like Les Pauls or Les Paul style or ES335 guitars. Yeah. And I guess the, the signature guitar sort of like represents my time uh, away from the place that I'm at every day, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's just, just as fun as working at the tonight show is and as entertaining as it is, you know, it's, I still, I like for there to be a sort of a musical separation between church and state. And, uh, that's, and the signature SG sort of for me represents like my life outside of there. Even though, you know, I've played the signature guitar on The Tonight Show. But, you know, I, and, and that's sort of the beauty of it. It's just like, there's no rule as far as like what it has to be. It's just, it, they're just like, okay, what would, you, you know, we're getting a pizza. What do you want on the pizza? And um, <laughs> that's sort of how, yeah. I, how I look at it. I could, and a lot of it's also, you know, on The Tonight Show, we're, you know, we're wearing suits. And... um I don't know something about SGs and suits. Like I, you know, I like I like the. Uh, now we're getting into something. In now we're getting into. I'm, hey, fashion. I'm down, dude. I'm down. <laughs> All right, but uh, you gotta have the right aesthetic, and you gotta yeah. have the right aesthetic. Maybe you need the the uh, shorts and and s school uniform. Well, no, the no, that's going super far in the other direction. <laughs> it's going now. Now shorts. No, no, a suit with an SG. No, but a suit. With shorts and an SG, come that's, on, of yeah. course, that's the tried and tested model. But no, seriously though, like I like I, you know, there's a time when I was like wearing vests a lot on the show, mm -hmm. and um, I guess I was, yeah, I was. Wardrobe had me in vests a lot, and and when I was wearing my vests, like I, I the SG I thought looked really cool with a vest and a tie, and, and then like in the se recent seasons, I've been like wearing more suits, jackets, and I I feel like with jackets and stuff like that i feel like sg i feel like 335s and the les paul sort of looks uh better for me man i'm i'm with you i think i think the the horns the sharp pointed horns of the sg they're cool but maybe you throw on a leather suit maybe we're talking you got Possibly. just the vest okay but i i do agree i think aesthetically the sg and the suit clash for me you know um but all that to say, like the, the 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 SG that was, it's three pickups. It's got an extra volume knob, and I yeah. like the volume knob on the SG to give you the same thing that a Les Paul sometimes gives you, the same thing that a Strat gives you, the ability to do swells without yeah. the use of a pedal. I love having, you know, I spent a bunch of years making up for the fact that I didn't have a volume pedal. Yeah, and um, I'm not about to start. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm fine without one, and I'd love a guitar that reflects that. 
Yeah. So that's that's what that extra volume knob is doing there. Um, I'd like to be able to, you know, in recording situations, if that's the only guitar around, to be able to get those pickup combinations of the middle and the rhythm or the middle and the lead pickup. That's what the middle pickup allows you to do. Yeah. Um, I think the three pickups on an SG looks badass. There's that. That's not lost on me. And uh, that's, you know, I wanted it in a color that, you know, that I didn't see very often. That's where you got the, that sort of seafoam green or infinite green. Yeah. That's how they market it. Um, and it also came in a basic black yep. for somebody that, for, who thinks the inverted screen is too much, you got your basic black <laughs> with that, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's how that guitar came about. But I'm a, you know, I, it's my second, uh, signature guitar for Gibson. And the previous one was an SG with three pickups. That was a different color profile that had like, that was more black, um, that was a, a dark, like a, a vintage cherry. Yeah. Or aged cherry. Cool. And a gold hardware. So the, the looks of them, like you see them together, it's like almost the same guitar, but the color combinations make them look crazy different from one another. Yeah. All right. It's a guitar podcast. Absolute guitar ledge upon legends is Prince. We've talked about him. We brought him up. I'm from Minneapolis. I've got some hilarious Prince outings and personal weird stories, but you have one of the most legendary, which was on national TV. For those who don't know about this, where have you been? But <laughs> Prince was a guest on the show. My understanding is he asked if he could use one of your guitars, a vintage Epiphone. They played Bambi. They get to the end of the tune. He throws the guitar straight up in the air. I watched this live. I remember watching it live. You watched the guitar. Live. Well, li live as in like four hours. Like I, I saw it when it first aired. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. still amazing. And throws it up in the air, comes crashing down, has the highest squeal out of anything, <laughs> like the most obnoxious squeal. Jimmy comes over. Everybody's just confused. Camera pans over to you, and you're just <laughs> you. The band has a stunned look on their face. He just pieces out and leaves. What are you thinking in that moment? What run me, run this back for me because this was hilarious. I had so many feelings about it. I was thinking, of course, yeah, Prince would do something like this, and then I was thinking, dang, I'm sorry, Kirk. <laughs> and then I, there was so many things that I was thinking, but run this back for me and, and run run down your emotions in the moment. Um. Well, first he comes into the studio that morning for rehearsal without a guitar. His guitar is supposed to be on its way there. Yeah. And then our, our stage manager, Keith, was like, well, would you like to use one of Kirk's guitars? So he shows him where my guitars are. He picks that 61 Epiphone Crestwood. It had, I mean, it did have a purple Jody Head shiny strap on it. Yeah. So why wouldn't he pick that? Of course. I get pictures sent to me of him at Soundcheck playing my guitar. I'm super excited. Uh, Prince is playing my, my guitar. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's time for the show. And uh, his guitar shows up, you know, soon after he, you know, soundcheck begins, his guitar shows up. He had a Vox. I think Vox may have even had his face on it. I too, <laughs> I too would have gone with my Epiphone Crestwood. But anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but so when it's showtime, right before he begins, the music booker at the time, Jonathan Cohen, comes up to me. He's like, Prince would like to use your guitar and he'd like to buy it from you. He'd like to buy your guitar and he wants to use it for the show. And I'm like, well, he could totally use it, but he can't buy it from me. And, <laughs> and then, and so my guitar goes away, you know, because I had it on the side. Yeah. I had it. My guitar goes away before the performance. And then it comes back. This is before the show starts. Before the, you know, the taping of the show starts. It goes away and it comes back. So I'm like, okay, I guess he's not going to, you know. So he comes on. He does one of his newer songs. And then after he does the new song, he comes over to me. He's like, hey, can I see your guitar? And I'm like, yeah, as a Prince fan would. Yeah, say. yeah, you, you say yes. Yeah, and so he, like you said, he did Bambi. It was great. And I thought he was going to play behind his head at the end. <laughs> but, but no, you know, I saw what you saw. You know, he, up in the air, crashing down, the, 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 the headstock had broken and the tuners were like off of the headstock. Yeah. So, uh, you know, our, our stage manager, Keith comes up to me. He's like, Prince wants to talk to you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, I, I hope I he does. Talk, yeah. I want I want to have a conversation too. <laughs> so I go back to where they're mixing it and it's super loud. It's super loud. And, uh, but all I can hear him say, I'm sorry. I'll take care of it. He said something was wrong with his guitar. Um, and then it's over. He's done mixing. We're walking out together. I'm like, okay, you broke the guitar. You think you could at least sign it? And he's like, oh, I haven't signed anything since the 70s. <laughs> but the, the happy ending to that story is uh, the person that sold me the guitar had also, ever since he sold it to me, he's been wanting to buy that guitar back for me for years. He fixed it for free. There's a guitar that he had at his shop that I've been eyeing that I wanted to buy from him. It was a basically like a Telecaster with one TB Jones pickup, a gold Telecaster that was like kind of uh, aged, kind of antiqued. And I was like, I didn't want to buy it just because I felt like I, I shouldn't just because I was trying to be a responsible parent and not spend money on another guitar. But, <laughs> um, but he fixed my guitar for free and then Prince wired like a good amount of money into my account, like more than was really necessary. That's nice. And uh, so I was, able to, I was able to buy the guitar that I wanted to get easily. I was able to get it fixed for free. I was able to get my car fixed too, which needed help at the time. Yeah. Um, it, so it totally paid for itself. And, you know, that guitar got fixed just in time that week for something that the Roots were doing. The only reason that guitar was in 30 Rock to begin with, the only reason that guitar was in 30 Rock to begin with was because later in the week, the Roots were playing a tribute at Carnegie Hall prince wow so that night i got to go on stage play this tribute for this guy that broke the guitar that i was playing 
it was yeah it was it was an interesting tr- reality to be in yeah um, <laughs> and and you know so but ultimately it's really you know it's a legendary story that's a fun story to be a part of and yeah i love encountering people that have heard of prince but have never heard this story yeah and that's that's always a joy it's like uh pull up a chair you know yeah uh and um i was hoping to you know see him again ever since that happened and just have a little chuckle about it but um he didn't he didn't make it you know yeah and um you know ever since that incident we have plenty of people that speak about all sorts of experiences they've had with him some humane and tender and some otherwise you know sure um, yeah he's a human being that uh his his beautiful moments are super beautiful and his ugly moments could get super ugly too yeah so it's it's a wild thing to have been a part of but it's also like a a, a excellent study in celebrity in humanity in talent in privilege in uh abuse in art in eccentricity in a bunch of things it sparks a lot of conversation yeah can spark a lot of conversation so and you said you've you've had some experiences you say yeah i mean just growing up in minneapolis and in the minneapolis music scene i've encountered him a handful of times and he would come see my band the band that i was playing with several times and got to talk to him and hang out with him. He was very complimentary, which was nice. Yeah. And um, went to a bunch of the late night Paisley Park things. And uh-huh. it's just, it's just, there's so many stories from all my friends that I, that grew up, that I grew up under as my mentors and then other peers as well. And just kind of seeing him around town. Yeah. It's, like, it's a little different, you know, but it was always, there was always something interesting. It was never just a normal story. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, when you can live life authentically and artistically, you know, because I mean that when you think about it, that incident with the guitar, that was performance art, you know, that was like on on a bunch of levels. And uh, and there's a level of it that was like cruel. And there was also a level of like, you know, it's it's really like a Rorschach test of of uh how you want to look at things because you know that guitar is you know it's still in the cleveland rock and roll hall of fame i'm i'm trying to get it back but i'm not really in a rush to get it back because i think it's kind of cool that it's there i think it's kind of cool that it's still playable i think it's kind of cool that when i do get it back i'm gonna get back this crazy part of history that also happens to be mine um because the guitar it's an amazing sounding guitar like yeah so, I mean, you know, one could say, man, Prince was such a genius that he could totally tell that he was going to, like, make your guitar legendary. And was just like, <laughs> let me help this kid out, you know, and uh, give him a, a little taste of this, you know, like, who knows? But whatever the case, it happened. And it's I'm, I'm ultimately glad it happened. And I'm glad to all the connections and conversations it led to. Yeah. As a result of it, you know. Yeah, totally. So you've got tonight's show. You've got 
the roots. You've got 100 watt heart. Tell me, what are you most excited about that's coming up? What is giving you the most fulfillment? Where can people, what what should people listen to as far as what you have coming out now, where you're going to be? What are you stoked about? Yeah, I'm really excited about the album. Just, uh, I love the idea of an album and you know, I'm looking over at my, you know, vinyl collection over there and, uh, I'm I'm happy to like it's I'm excited about making a contribution mm. to 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 music in general. Yeah. And um you know, I love the idea of the documentation of of this time. I love you know, I'm a huge, you know, fan of the classic rock album. Um, you know, The Dark Side of the Moons, The Houses of the Holies, you know, the are you experienced you know electric ladylands the maggot brains and um you know not saying the, i think the record is as good as those records but it's like it's sort of a i don't know when i when i listen to it it's it, it, it i'm i'm just really proud of it and uh, i love the guitar sounds i'm really happy with the writing and it just it feels like a a good documentation of of a weird period of time that um, also gave me the time to really dive into my own musical soul in a way that I've never, I hadn't been able to do so uh, like ever in my life. Um, so I'm excited to uh, play some of these songs live and I'm excited for the music to do hopefully to do for others what music has done for me. It's like our whole reason why we get into this. It's like you get touched, you know, emotionally. And then you find this tool that allows you to get close to that, that tool being the guitar. This it's beautiful, comes in so many different colors. It's like beautiful before you even plug it in. Mm. Then you plug it in and it's like, oh my God, this is like, you know, makes such a seductive tone. And then when that tone is organized into whatever it is that touches us emotionally from a very, you know, from very early on, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get a piece of that. I don't know how to be a part of that, but I got to be a part of it. And so, you know, the record for me is like getting closer to that, you know, to doing like what, I feel like I set out to do originally. Mm. And um, I think that's like, you know, how what we all sort of strive for in whatever way, you know, and that, you know, I, and, and just in a way that you can, because when you're playing, there's a certain enjoyment that comes from playing and connecting with an audience right in front of you. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then there's like, when there's moments where you can put on something that you've been involved in, and just sit back and listen to it and just sort of take it in and actually enjoy it and see past the, you know, whatever mistakes or whatever shortcomings and just to enjoy it. You know, it's not very often that we get to have that where we could just sit back and just, I don't hear, all I hear is the good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes that happens, you know? Sometimes the fun and the emotion shines through. And uh, I feel like there, there are those, you know, I feel like that was somewhat achieved in this situation. So 
I'm psyched for the record to come out. I'm psyched to like play some of it live. And yeah. cause I haven't, you know, a lot of it hasn't been played live before. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing the other side of it, um, to see the direct human interaction. Yeah. I love it. I think it's so great. I love seeing and hearing you express yourself in a different way and just seeing you go for it. And I love the name too, 100 Watt Heart. That's so cool. It's it's so fun to see you doing this. So fun to hear it. It's just great music and hear a different side of your guitar playing or just like a, a different way that you're able to develop your guitar playing or put it, insert it in a different way. Like, I, I, I yeah. don't know. It's It's really fun. It's really cool. I'm a fan. I am so stoked about it. And it's been really fun to hang here and hope let's we gotta sit down and pl- actually play some guitars together sometime. Yeah, I'd love that. When I saw you at the Hollywood Bowl, you're like, Yeah, you gotta come on and do the podcast. And uh and a few months later, here we are. So here we are. Thanks for following through with it, man. And looking forward to the next time we get to The next time we'll have guitars in hand. Yes. Let's do that. Right on. Awesome. Well, Kirk, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. There you have it. Captain Kirk Douglas. Dude's dope. Dude's cool. What a great player and just really nice person. I really like hanging with him. Hopefully, we'll get to play some guitars together sometime soon. Speaking of playing guitar, like I said, I'm on tour right now. I'm playing a lot. My chops are... My chops are at full strength right now. I'm feeling really good. The only thing not feeling great sometimes is my index finger nail on my picking hand because when I'm strumming away... Sometimes I end up wearing away at the nail and uh, kind of hurts today, but I'll be all right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Peace.